You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And this week's show... We kind of talk about Jeff, Jeff's experience with his niece and their lottery hunt, and but more so, we kind of we kind of uh, focus on new hunters and the skills that you you kind of just have to learn by doing, right? You you know, there's a lot of things that you can read about, watch a video about, but there's some things with hunting that you know you kind of really need that mentor to to show you show you the ropes and and a lot of times honestly you just need to go out and fail at something and go oh okay that didn't that didn't work uh how can i do that differently next time so that's what we get into today before we get into that though i want to talk about our sponsor mastin's deer sense so mastin's is a is a deer scent company and one of the cool products they have is deer scented candles and Jeff has actually found, you know, the, the the deer scented candles are intended to be used either as an attractant by themselves or with their double scent stacker. But Jeff has actually found another use where he will just take their smell like a deer, which is kind of like a cover scent, a kind of a calming scent, and just opens the candle, which, you know, releases the, the scent and just keeps it in like the side pocket or like a mesh pocket on his backpack as he's walking to his stand or whatever, just as a another layer of protection, if you will, to keep the deer at ease and, and that thing. So lots of different uses for their product. Check them out at mastinsdeersense.com or go to our website, ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors, and you can get all of our sponsor information there. So with that, we're going to do our updates if we have any, and then uh, we'll get into the topic for this week. So I, you guys know, I, we texted a little bit. I went out to the parks to hunt the other day, and it was a morning hunt. Got, I, I was out there in, in 
good time. Everything's going good. It was, you know, it was like we kind of had that cold front roll through. It was, you know, significantly colder that Saturday than it had been. I guess the Friday leading up to it was kind of cool. But, you know, it was a nice frosty morning. Had high hopes. I was, this is like a high odds hunt, man. I thought for sure. Had my stand on my back and I, I got like halfway to where I was planning to start looking for a tree and realized I didn't have my harness. So I can't use my stand at that point. I just ditched it in the field where I was walking and attempted to hunt from the ground. But at that, you know, like it blew my plans. (laughs) It blew my plans out of the water. I was hoping to, you know, kind of work this field edge until I found a, a, you know, a, a somewhat open area with, with, uh, oak trees and a, and a tree I could get in. And after that, I would just kind of dove into the woods right there and just never felt like I was in the game. There wasn't a ton of sign. I mean, they may have been using it for bedding cover, but there's, you know, there was no oaks around for as far as I could see. I heard some turkeys to the south of me. And I was kind of, tr- I figured if there's turkeys over there, there's something over there for them to be eating. If I, you know, maybe I need to kind of work that way, but instead of just stomping through the, you know, this kind of thicker area and making a ton of noise, I was trying to sneak over there and, you know, basically the morning ran out. I had other things in the afternoon and that was that. So it was kind of a bust and I, it was one of those hunts, you know, like I had, like I said, it was a high, a high hopes, high odds. I thought for sure I would at least see a deer, you know, and nothing. So what have you guys been up to? Hopefully something better than that. <laughs> well, that same evening, Saturday, you know, that same day, Saturday, you went out in the morning. I went out in the evening and hunted fairly close to where you were um i don't know a couple hundred yards probably um i felt pretty confident in the spot it was a pretty good spot but didn't see anything but a turkey um i did hear a deer snort on my way out um i don't think i spooked it because it snorted a long ways off um, the next morning I had plans to go back out because my plans for Sunday, uh, fell through, but I woke up not feeling too well, just with allergies. So I decided to sleep in Now, question, question on that, Jeff, cause yeah. So for the listeners, this, this area, there's like a big, um, like native, would you call it like a native grassland field? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, a reclaimed farm field that has been planted with native grasses. Yeah. Right. So the parking area is on the north of this, and the woods and creek basically run along the south of this. There's a there's a brush hogged path that runs along the left or west side of this field, and then there's also a brush hogged path that runs diagonally. Because the the parking area is basically in the northwest corner of this field. You can more or less take a brush hog path down the west side of this field. Or 
cut diagonally across this field down to the southeast corner. So I knew that you were going there in the evening and didn't want to kind of mess that area up. So I stayed to the east of where you were going. The wind was, was supposed to be out of the south all day. So I was pretty confident that I wasn't going to screw you up. But how did you access that? Did you take the diagonal path or did you just come straight down the west path? I came straight down the west path. Okay. And it's it was actually kind of funny because when we went and scouted this property, um, we found a spot that we liked. You know, it's like, oh, we'd really like to hunt here. But there's just no open area to put a stand like you you wouldn't be able to see anywhere to shoot well had we walked just a couple you know maybe 40 yards uh to the east of that there's a big open clearing there okay um so that's what i was hunting was i was sitting on the hillside looking down into that clearing okay it it really looked like a promising spot and you know i heard a lot of movement in the tall grasses you know because it's kind of like a wetland area um but the only thing that ever stepped out into that clearing was a turkey Hmm. okay so that was the extent of my hunting. Now I'm getting ready for uh, the northern zone waterfowl open air. So I've been, you know, making sure my my decoys are all set up and practicing my calling, even though I don't think I'm going to actually ever use my call. Um, I might use my mallard drake whistle a little bit but i doubt i'll actually use my my duck call because i think i'll just scare birds away i'd rather just (laughs) i'd rather just focus on my decoys trying to get birds in you know i have a jerk a jerk rig set up so i'm hoping that that'll you know entice you know be enough movement to catch their eyes and get them to come in and land sure how about you jake anything new no i don't have anything to report i have not been in the woods in a while um check the trail cameras same old same old on there nothing really new so i don't have much to report i've kind of taken a break from the hunting for the last week or so just because of schedule and stuff like that so hoping to get after it again this week so hopefully i'll have some to report next time all right sounds good our dad's got a monster coming by yeah he and it's it's coming by just you know 15 20 minutes after legal shooting light so that's got him all excited so yeah we're we're uh interested to see you know him because he's he's pretty happy about it (laughs) so yeah he is we're living vicariously through him yeah because 
I don't know. He he does a lot of things that traditionally you would see as being big no-nos, but he's got this monster buck coming by, so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. Keep you posted. Jeff, did he give you specific instructions that you're not allowed to come shoot it? No, he didn't. I'm surprised. He's hunting out on my tree stand, so I think I'm allowed to use it whenever I want. I think that's I just how figured, it works. I just figured with him out of town for work, he would give you instructions to stay out of there. No, he don't have I was, a chance to hunt it until he comes home. <laughs> I was thinking about going and duck hunting close to there, but now I'm not. Because I don't want to ruin things for him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the the topic for this week. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So we're talking about some of the, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I don't, I'm like, I'm trying to find a term to describe it, but I don't know. I guess this, some hunting skills that are, you can't really learn by reading or watching a video, you know, like you can learn how to butcher a deer or do, you know, gut a deer by watching a video on YouTube, but you know, I've heard of lots of people learning how to do it that way you can kind of learn you know like what type of habitat or terrain features or or you know sign to look for by watching those that kind of stuff but there's little things that you know if you've been hunting forever or you grew up hunting you you, you maybe didn't intentionally learn but you've just picked up along the way things like how to walk quietly in the woods and and things like that. And what spurred this is Jeff did a, you know, he got, you heard us talk, uh, his, his niece got drawn for one of the youth, uh, you know, early season youth deer hunts out at, uh, I can never, I don't know why I can never remember if it's Mosquito Creek or Mosquito Lake. It was Mosquito Creek. Mosquito okay. Lake is a state park right next to it. Okay. Mos- Mosquito Creek is the nature preserve. And I think there is a wildlife area, like a small wildlife area, maybe. Okay. But yeah, Mosquito Creek is the the nature preserve. Mosquito Lake is a state park. Okay. So, you know, he was, I, I guess you know, Jeff jump in here, wherever, but, but basically trying to help her or it just sort of reminded you that like, these aren't things that people just know, right? You learn them along the way. Maybe you just sort of pick them up or, or, or that sort of thing, but there is a, a learning curve to some of these, um, more again, like, I, I don't know, nuanced or, you know, soft skills of, of hunting or <laughs> I yeah. don't know what to call them, but yeah. So this was the first time this was her second time hunting 
Um, we went out for youth gun season last year. Um, but this is the first time that I had taken her hunting and it wasn't really like a, a slam dunk of like, these are the things we're going to do. You know, we're going to park the truck here. We're going to walk to the. Did we lose you, Jeff? First time really. Like. You, you cut out there for a sec, Jeff. Okay. Uh, this is the first time that I had taken her hunting and we didn't have like a slam dunk plan. Like, you know, we're going to park the truck here. We're going to walk to this ground blinder stand and sit there. You know, it was like the first time that we were actually hunting while we were walking. If you right, will, you guys so, have never set foot on this place. That's, that's part right. of, you know, you'd never been drawn for this. You'd never been in this piece of this parcel of, of ground before. So you're kind of right. learning and observing as you go. Right. So we're, we're kind of still hunting. And if you will, like, you know, my plan is we're going to creep along and kind of keep an eye out. And, you know, it's, we're, we're kind of walking and it's like, oh boy, like I, you know, I forgot that like, yeah, people don't just naturally know how to walk quietly in the woods. Right. You know, like that you, you don't just step down, you kind of, you know, you put your heel down and rock forward. And I mean, at least that's the way I was trying to, that's the way I do it and the way I was trying to explain it to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of like the pace that you walk at, like, you know, we're not in a hurry to get anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Like, what we are doing now is the hunting. You know, because, like, the pace was a little too slow for, you know, it's like, okay. slow down. Like, we're not, we're not in a rush to get anywhere. We're, you know, we're, we're hunting right now. We're keeping our eyes out, you know, listening. Yeah. And, you know, so that's kind of what really got me on this was like, you know, the things that's like, oh yeah, I forgot that that's not something that you naturally know or something that like, I really could have told you ahead of time. Like, that's just something you have to learn. Yeah. And like, also just like how to spot a deer in the woods. You know, there was a couple of times that I saw deer and it's like, oh, you know, there they are. You know, it's that I'm trying to explain like, okay, well, stand right here and look right that direction you know, and I'm trying to explain all of this while there's a deer standing there looking at us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, because it's just one. Of, it's just one of those things. It's it's hard to pick out the shape of a deer unless you have experienced it, like in the woods. Right. It is. It is definitely like you know, call it a game eye or or whatever, but it is definitely something that can can and is learned and can be honed over time because you know like i've i've experienced it with i guess both my wife and daughter you know we'll be driving down 
the road and it's like, oh, there's a deer. And to me, it's like broad as day. It's it's right there. I don't, I, you know, and they're like, where? And it's like, I, it's right there in the on the back edge of that field. I don't know. I never saw it. You know, it's like, had we stopped the car or whatever, you know, like we're, these are, you know, we're driving down the road sort of thing. Had, had we stopped the car and, you know, I'm sure eventually in that scenario, you know, like I, but it's just like, you just learn even, even like in those scenarios, right? Like where to look, I'm not looking, you know, right out by the road. I'm, you know, I'm looking in the corner of that field back there by the woods. I see a deer, you know, sort of thing. Like that's where my eye goes because I've just driven down the road and looked in every field I drive by for as long as I can remember. <laughs> and that's where I see deer, right? And so that's where that's where my eyes go. It's a, yeah. a, a little bit of a tangent, but um, not deer, but we went, Amanda and Ella and I went to the park the other day and there's a pond or lake there. Uh, I, I, uh, Amanda asked me, what's, what's the difference between a pond and a lake? And I, I, that's one I don't know where the threshold is. Um, so do you want the, the geological definitions? I don't know. Is there a geological definition? I don't know. Yeah. Like some things I look at and I go, oh, that's a pond. Other things I look at and go, oh, that's a lake. So geologically, a pond is, well, actually, let's start with a lake. Geologically, a lake has an inflow and an outflow. It has a, you know, a creek or something feeding into it, and it has a creek or something feeding out of it. A pond has no inflow or outflow maybe an inflow um and maybe like a spillway outflow but there isn't a creek that basically runs in and out like it's that's the the geological difference ponds have you know ponds are just a puddle of you know a large puddle of water type thing like they don't have a creek feeding into it or a spring feeding into it they're just the place where the water has pooled. Okay. So. so I guess this would be a pond then. Anywho, there's a there's a bridge that goes over the one you know the the one end of the pond narrows and there's a there's a bridge that goes you know there's a path that goes around this pond and there's a bridge that goes over. So we stopped on the bridge, and I said, "Oh, there's a frog." You know, there's like kind of some some green algae or whatever. I said, "Oh, there's a frog," and I'm trying to get Ella to see it and we finally get her to see it. And Amanda, cause Amanda saw it. Well, turns out, you know, I get Ella to see the frog I'm looking at. Amanda was looking, thought she was looking at the frog I was looking at, but was looking at a different frog. So she says, Oh, there's another one right over there. So I find what I think is the one she's talking about which is a third frog. We, (laughs) we went back and all in this one little spot, we went back and forth all told found seven frogs in this, you know, I don't know, six by six, six foot by six foot little corner of this pond. 
but it was like, you, you know, we were all looking at different frogs, eventually all seeing all seven of these frogs. But, you know, it's just like tuning your eye into the shapes, the colors, the, you know, that kind of thing, right? So it, it kind of goes along with this conversation. But I guess, that, you know, like I said, tangent, but. I can see how, right. You could be standing there and you're looking at a deer like, you know, it's right there. I, you know, I don't, you know, and she's not seeing it because it's just, you know, she just hasn't practiced or honed that game. eye, I guess. Right. Right. And I guess another sort of skill is knowing the difference between, you know, other animal movement and deer movement. I mean, like the sounds all, they make. Yeah. Now we all get fooled by squirrels, but yep. you know, there was sometimes where like, you know, we're walking and you know, she heard something and she's stopping and listening. And it's like, yeah, that came from the wrong direction. Basically like that, that wasn't, that noise wasn't on the ground. That noise was in a tree. Okay. <clears throat> So, yeah, there's just. Yeah, there's there's things that like we filter out noise wise. It's like, oh, I don't need to pay attention to that. And then there's other things that we like very much tune into. That. You know, there again, like I haven't taken a, a kid hunting in that regard, but. You know, like I've been in the woods with Ella, you know, and I'll hear something and stop because I'm like, oh, that was, you know. Whereas she's like totally oblivious to, you know, it's like she doesn't even realize I stopped sort of thing. You know, she's just going on her merry way. Whereas, there, you know, whereas there's other things where she's like, what was that? I was like, I I don't know. I, I'm not even sure what you're talking about because I, I paid almost zero attention to whatever that sound was. <laughs> yeah. And I think sort of. I don't know, the lesson that I kind of learned was, like, that I probably should be uh, more forgiving of adults, you know, like, new hunting adults. Because probably a lot of the things she did, had it been an adult, I would have been pissed off. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't see it. It's like, it's right there. Like, what do you mean you don't see it? Yeah. You know, or like, you know, walking too fast or too, well, she never walked too slow, but walking too (laughs) fast or too loud. Right. It's like, we're we're trying to hunt here, dude, and you're making a bunch of noise. Yeah. You know, and I kind of tried to explain things to her, you know, like, because the one time that we were walking and, you know, we saw deer, it's like, that's why we need to be quiet is like because you never know when you're gonna see them and if we're quiet we can you know we probably could have got up on those deer without them really being alerted and we would have had more time to take a shot sure so So. let's like i guess let's dive into walking through the woods a little bit like how how would you now, Jake, Jeff, either either of you, how would you try to explain to somebody how to walk through the woods quietly while hunting? 
Um, I would, I don't know. And I have to tell myself this because I'm not the best still hunter or whatever you want to call it. But um, when you think you're walking slow enough, slow down. <laughs> because you can't go too slow, basically. Um, I mean, unless, I mean, even if you're walking through a wide open cut field where you can see and you see there's no deer, the deer can, you know what I mean? The deer can see you and you can't go too slow. You never can go too slow. Um, you just, that's my biggest thing is like, I, I know I move too fast when I'm walking. Cause I'm like, I want to get on stand. I want to get there. Right. Um, and it's even, you know, like I want to get, I feel like I hindsight looking back, I feel like I ruin hunts because I'm like, all right, I want to get in the woods early so I can let the woods quiet down before, you know, I want to be early. I want to be in the on stand by three o'clock. Well, if I go tromping through the woods, it doesn't matter if I'm on stand at three o'clock or I'm on stand at five o'clock, anything bedded heard me, saw me, and it's not coming out till after dark. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so just because you're trying to get there early, you, you don't want to run in and make a bunch of noise and break twigs and, rip brush and like it doesn't do you any good even if i am on stand hours before dusk i still went and blew the whole woods out on my way in right do you guys so it's like that balance right do you guys try to alter your walking cadence at all what i mean by that is you know like humans are two-legged creatures and have a particular cadence when they walk through the woods, whereas, you know, four-legged creatures have a different cadence. And, you know, deer aren't concerned about another deer walking through the woods, even if they can't smell it or see it, you know, but they can just hear it. They're not, they might pick their head up and like, hmm, but, you know, what is that? But it it's not like a, oh, I know what that is and I'm out of here. Or, you know, like you said, a squirrel. Squirrels, can make a holy racket in the woods, just crunching leaves and stuff. So do you guys, do you guys do any of that? Like trying to alter the cadence of your, of your walk? Uh, so I know you've talked to me about this, Jason, before, and I, I've thought it through and I've tried it and I feel like I just make more noise and it just gets worse to like try and, you know, like time out, like a lot of times squirrels will like hop in threes or it's like crunch, crunch, crunch. And then they stop. And I've tried to like do that, but then I feel like I end up getting, I f get unsteady. Cause I like stop in a position where I'm not like equilibrium and I'm like, Whoa, I'm tipping over. <laughs> so I, I haven't had any success with it, but I don't disagree with the thought. I think it makes sense. I've never been good at it. I've never tried it. Um, but like I said, I'm not good at walking through the woods. I don't claim to be very good at it. I I go too fast. I I don't have a ton of luck walking up on deer in the sense of getting within shooting range of deer without them leaving, busting, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is in my opinion, a little bit more of an advanced skill. You know, this isn't a skill that I'd probably be trying to teach to a newbie, but I 
I do try to walk an odd number of steps because a long time ago I read that, you know, humans naturally walk an even number of steps. Like they will walk an even number of steps and stop when they're trying to be quiet. So I intentionally try to walk an odd number of steps and in doing it's a it's a learned skill because yeah when you walk an odd number of steps naturally you're going to be off balance right you know at that last step is always you stepping to be you know even out in front of the other yeah so it's it's a lot harder skill to to learn than you would expect it takes time to do so, it quietly and effectively so how do you do it because uh, i guess the way i try to do it because of you know to your point jake getting stopping somewhere and like you're on uneven ground and you're you're like whoa you know and you end up flailing around in the woods all this movement these big you know big movement or you do kind of get off balance and you you put a heavy foot down next to you to catch yourself or something i i try to to sort of combat that right because i also try to do when i'm trying to be sneaky right try to do odd steps and i'll make that last step and then i i try to then like slowly bring that other foot up next to me and set it down quietly not like you know walking step but like a and then slowly you know compress the leaves under that other foot to you know so that i'm not standing there you know because inevitably you'll be in this un imbalanced state look up and there's a deer looking at you so you're off balance this deer has got you you know saw something and is trying to figure out and you're doing your best not to wobble around, not to wobble around, but you're, you know, inevitably uh, going to wobble and they're going to see you sort of thing. Is that what you do, Jeff? Or how do you handle that? So I have the advantage of having longer legs so I can take fewer steps, but still get places kind of. So I take basically two steps, you know, I step once step twice and that third step is bringing my feet even yeah okay so i do that or you know and i do that in odd you know odd numbers so sometimes you know i'll take four steps and then that fifth step is bringing my feet even okay you know and that's and that's a very difficult skill to learn it's a lot harder than you would think to get that in your head because at least for me just naturally i i I want to walk basically like three steps and then the fourth step being bring my feet even right i want to pause here briefly to talk about our sponsor monster white tail grub monster white tail grub is a deer feed company and they're an ohio deer feed company So they've got anything and everything you need to feed or supplement deer 
and it's a great way to get them in front of your camera. It's a great way to get them in front of your stand. We really like their signature monster white tail grub bead. I like to, to have some of their additives in, like you can have whole in-shell peanuts added. They've also got just straight mineral if you, if you want that, or flavored corn options. So lots of different things to choose from. Check out your local retailers to see if they carry it. If they don't, ask them to. And if they don't and you want to get some, go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and you can find out how to get in touch with them and order some of their stuff. Now let's get back into the conversation. The other thing that I'll, you know, sort of speaking of, of walking and, and I don't know, maybe this is, you know, more advanced too, but if I'm really trying to sneak, I am, what I'll do is, even before I take a step, this would be more not on like a, a super crunchy dry day or, you know, frosty morning where everything is just, you know, you're walking on Fritos, you know, like everything is just crunch, crunch, crunch. This is, you know, it's wet. It's after a rain or something and you can, you can move through the woods pretty quietly. I will like look at the ground pick out where I'm going to put my foot, meaning there's, it, it looks like there's, there's no sticks there or, oh, there's a, you know, there's a rock sticking up out of the leaves or something that's going to be super quiet to step on. I will sort of pick my point, then pick my head back up and kind of scan out ahead of me as I, as I make that step. Because I found that like, uh, you know, when you make that step, you're getting a slightly different view of the woods. And there was a little bit of, a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll, there was a, you just made a little bit of movement and a deer may kind of like perk its head up or move or something. And if you're staring at the ground, you may have missed that deer kind of turn its head or something, or that little bit of movement that the deer made in response to your movement. So I will try to, like I said, pick out a spot where I'm going to put my boot that looks like it's going to be a quiet step and, but not watch the ground as I'm making that step, if that makes sense. Right. I, I try to pick my head up and be scanning out in front of me as I'm setting my boot. You know, you can kind of see out of the, out of your peripheral right down below you, you can kind of see like where your foot's going, I guess. Right. And I'm trying to look out at, in front of me, while make while still making sure that my boot kind of goes where I want it to. Yeah, I don't do- I don't think I'm coordinated enough to do that. Um, I sort of do something similar, but I pick out my next spot. I move my foot there, like make contact with the ground, then pick my head up, and then do the the rolling motion of putting my foot down like i i make i move my foot make contact with the correct spot then pick my foot my head up and roll my foot onto the ground to you know make a quiet step yeah okay so something similar just a little little variation yeah yeah i don't i don't think i think if i tried to step and look you know, step in a specific spot and look somewhere else, I'd just stumble. Right. Yeah. 
the, I, the other thing I'll add about walking is like, you know, again, if, if I'm in like super sneak mode and I pick a spot and you go to put your, you know, there's been times where, you know, it happens all the time, right? You, you're like, oh, that's a good spot. You put your boot down and as you're starting to put weight on that boot, you're like, oh, there's a stick under there. This is no good. You know, <laughs> you gotta, if you, if you are attempting to avoid breaking that stick, you know, sometimes I will back up or take the, take the, you know, shift my foot to where that stick is not going to be right under like the heavy part, or maybe I won't, you know, like you're talking about rolling your foot through the footstep. Maybe I won't load the front part of my, the front part of my foot because that's where the stick is. I'm going to keep the weight kind of back on my heel until I make a, another step to avoid, you know, breaking a stick. But I will sort of uh, caveat this with I've gotten less concerned about stick-breaking noises as I get older, especially if, if there's, like, some wind or, or breeze. If it's a super dead calm, right, a stick-breaking is, like, it sounds like a gunshot just went off. <laughs> a gunshot just went off, right? But... If there's some wind in the trees and stuff, like sticks and twigs cracking and like falling down out of trees and stuff, like I, you hear that, you know, you're sitting in the woods and you just hear that stuff. That's like a normal woods sound. I'm, I've, you know, I used to be like, oh, well, broke a stick, hunts over, you know, sort of thing. Uh, You know, I was wanting to hunt right around here, but now they, now everything in the woods knows I'm here, but I've, I'm less... I'm less concerned about it now. Yeah, I mean, I think it, and this again, if you watch deer, um, you know, deer don't break sticks often, but sometimes they will. But, you know, if you see a deer, if a deer does step and break a twig or make a louder noise, 99.9% of the time, that deer doesn't take another step. You know what I mean? Like it's step that broke the twig. It will freeze for a little while and then move on. Um, so I think if you do break a twig, it's not the end of the world, like you said, but then if you continue to just crunch, crunch, crunch after that, then it's like, that's not normal. (laughs) That's a a good Um, point. Yeah. So like break a twig, that's okay. Not ideal, but it happens. Like you said, Branches break, twigs break, sticks break, but what you follow that up with could make a big difference. Yeah, like even from a, I mean, I know this is kind of, we're not talking about a, 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 you know, a new hunter, but like, you know, getting into a tree, right? A hanging hunt or a climber or something, you know, like you come to a branch or you get up to where you want to sit and there's a branch that's, you know, it's like, man, that branch is really kind of in the way. A lot of times I, you know, I would carry a little small handsaw or something and, and trim that stuff. But a lot of times anymore, like, like I said, you know, stuff cracks and breaks in the woods. I'll just break that thing off and drop it to the ground. And I'm, I'm not super concerned about that kind of noise. You know, obviously you don't want to do a lot of like, 
cranking back and forth. But if it's like a dead stick and you can just kind of pop it off and, and let it fall to the ground, like that's a, that's a natural wood sound that I'm not worried about. So Jeff, anything else that, uh, you know, you learned or, or observed with a, a newer youth hunter that we should talk about? Well, I mean, I guess the other thing probably we should talk about is like uh, how to hunt other hunters because the number of people that were in this area was way higher than I was expecting. Okay. Um, and it was, that was another that was a lesson that I was not expecting to have to teach, but it was valuable nonetheless, I guess. Like, oh, hey, someone just shot over there and they shot twice back to back, which means they probably missed the first one. So get ready. Like, that means that there could be deer running this way because they probably didn't hit what they were shooting at. Right. Or like even because this hunt was the second weekend of bow season. So the leaves were still on the trees and it's kind of like, well, even though you can't see over there, you know, we know that someone is over there. Like we, saw someone over in this direction and then we walked to our spot. Well, you know, basically don't shoot that way because this area is flat as can be. And we know someone's there, even though we can't see them. Right. Even though you're not seeing orange, you're not yeah. close enough, but just had all the leaves been off the trees, you probably would have or could have right, seen that right. at least a little piece of orange. Right. Which, I mean, that's, a lesson that probably isn't as pertinent, you know, pertinent to learn most of the time because Ohio's gun season is late. Um, right. But in this particular situation, it was important to know because you, it was hard to see past 40 yards really in these woods. And, you know, you could easily shooting right at someone right so that's was just kind of another thing to and you know learn and it's like okay well you know we saw people walk this way on that trail so you know maybe deer will you know deer might kick out from you know the direction they're going to us sure and that kind of stuff is also i mean you can be told that or read that, you know, read that in a magazine, but really predicting how they're going to move off of other people's movement is more of something that you just kind of have to experience. Right. You know, like, yeah, they're, they'll, they will run this trail. They won't run that trail, you know, and you just kind of have to, have the experience because I mean typically they take the path of least resistance 
unless the path of least resistance basically puts him in danger. You know, if, if the path of le- the path of least resistance is somewhere where they're going to be out in the wide open, they probably won't run through that. They'll find a different way to escape. Yeah. The the other thing I'll sort of add along that vein is, you know, somebody shoots nearby because I remember, you know, as kids hunting with dad, you know, somebody would shoot. He he was always get ready, get ready, you know. And that, you know, at first it was like, well, I don't know, somebody shot over there. I don't I don't see a deer, you know, but it was like he had done this long enough to know, like, there's a chance there's a good chance there's going to be a deer running by because some, you know, somebody just over the ridge just shot at one. Maybe there was more than one. Maybe they missed whatever, you know, so it was always get ready, get ready. And right. Even, even like knowing how long to stay like keyed up, tuned in, you know, quote unquote ready, you know, cause like I remember times where it was like, Oh, somebody shot, you know, and like, all right, I'm ready. And I had sort of let my guard down too soon. You know, I was far enough away from the shot to where they had ran and then stop, you know, like deer will do, right? They'll, they'll make that initial run and then stop and kind of, uh, assess the situation. Am I still in danger? Which way should I go? You know, and, and we'll then kind of trot or, um, you know, calm down a little bit, but still kind of be moving through. Right. And I, you know, there's been times in the past where I've sort of let my guard down too soon thinking, well, if they were coming through, they would have been through by now, you know? So that sort of thing, like just learning how long after, whether it's a shot or you heard something that you thought was a deer, like, Oh, that was a, you know, I heard something. You make a scan, you don't see anything and go, oh, must have been nothing, you know, like learning how long to stay, uh, you know, I don't know, keyed up, tuned in, like I'm going to hold perfectly still and just wait and be very ready for if there's a deer because something happened and just that I think is another skill that you just have to you know, cause I can't give you like, oh, you need to stay tuned in for 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, you know, like it depends on the situation. How far away was the shot? How, you know, like all of that stuff, right? Like how far away was the sound? And it's just something you kind of learn at, through experience, I guess. Yeah. And I think, I mean, along that same vein, it depends on the area and how pressured the deer are right you know i mean if the deer used to be in shot at then they react totally differently than a deer that has no idea what that was or doesn't get shot at or pushed around every day so it just kind of depends you know and the way jeff was talking you know like how deer react to being jumped or pushed or a shot going off that I mean the terrain plays a huge role in that too so you can't you can read it in a magazine 
you can, like you said, see it on YouTube, but until you see how deer work the terrain, it, I've, I'm sure you guys have too. I've seen deer do the exact opposite of what the magazine says they're supposed to do more often <laughs> than not. <laughs> um, and that's just because of whatever, you know, they have, they live there, so they know, you know, like, okay, there's this saddle in this ridge. Well, the deer, if they get pushed out of this, you know, bowl, they're going to come up through this saddle. It's the lowest point. Well, there's some reason why they don't. And that's, you know, they live there. They maybe on the other side of that saddle, it opens up into a wide open bowl. Well, that's not where they want to be. Right. So, you know, it's just, unfortunately, there's a lot, well, I guess, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, there's a lot you have to learn from boots on the ground and just watching deer behavior and what a deer does and what a deer doesn't do and how it moves, um, which is all easier said than done. You know, I mean, I, for a lot of years, there wasn't a, I mean, we were raised in a pretty, if it's brown, it's down culture. So there wasn't many deer that I saw that I didn't shoot at to see how deer normally acts. Right. You know what I mean? Like to see a deer in its natural environment that doesn't know I'm there. How does it move through this area? Right. Looking back probably would have been very valuable. You know, because I know the deer come up through here, they work up this trail versus I see it on the other side of the hollow and I'm just going to shoot at it because I see it. Right. You know, I'm not going to, for all I know, it could have worked its way right down to me and would have been a 20 yard shot instead of a 75 yard shot or whatever. (laughs) But it's just one of the, you know, it's easier said than done, especially when you're talking youth hunters or first time hunters hunting in an area where you don't see a ton of deer. It's very hard to say, you know, like, yeah, we see it. We want to shoot it, but we're just going to wait. We're going to see what it does, where it goes. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Another good lesson that you just have to experience is every time you hear a squirrel, you got to look because Sooner or later, it's not going to be a squirrel. It is actually going to be a deer. Yeah. You know, you're like, I can guarantee that's a squirrel. And I'm not going to turn around and look. And uh, you'll get burned enough times that you'll uh, look every time. Yeah. Because I've had more than one. It always, it's like, that's too close, basically. It's like, that's too close. There's no way that that's a deer. Because if it's a deer, it's, you know, five foot behind me. And sure enough, it's a deer five foot behind me. Mm-hmm. So that's another one that you just got to get burned a couple of times before you you learn that you, you basically, you got to look every time. Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I have one of those memories that like is burned into my, <laughs> into my memory because of, that right you know it was and I think I've told this story before you know but dad would always tell us like you know gun hunting right don't sit down on the ground right we always would just go find a tree to post up by and hunt there for the day right and you know don't sit down on the ground because you can't move you can't get turned around if there's something behind you and I had been standing 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 and it's like man I, I gotta sit down you know and so I sit down and 
all morning, right? Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And this was the, you know, the time, right? Oh, that's a squirrel behind me. Boy, that squirrel's getting awfully close. Boy, I better turn around and make sure this squirrel isn't going to climb up my back, you know, and lean out around the tree and, and look behind me. And I'm nose to nose with a deer, this, you know, a small buck. And it, you know, it was close. I mean, not nose to nose is an exaggeration, but I mean, I turned around, he looked up, we're looking right at each other and he's five yards or so. I mean, he's close. Had I been not sitting down, had I checked that noise, you know, 30 seconds ago instead of right now, right? I'd have had a shot at that deer, you know, and I was a kid and I would have been ecstatic to have that that buck, you know, but so that's my, <laughs> that's my, uh, burned into my memory lesson of you got to check. Even if you're sure it's a squirrel, you got to check. Okay. Anything else we should touch on in this? I mean, we could keep going for, <laughs> uh, all night here, but, uh, anything else, Jeff, that like sort of stood out to you while you were in the midst of this that you want to touch on? No, I don't I don't think so. I think it's just goes to kind of show that you can do all the preparing and reading and whatever you want um, beforehand, but nothing, you know, replaces that in the field experience. Yep. You just got to get out there and do it. Yep. And fail a bunch of times and go, oh. Shouldn't do that again. <laughs> as hard as that is, you know, you want to go out and be successful, but you just got to learn from from failure. You know, failure is a strong word, right? But, you know, like, oh, blew those deer out. What could I have done differently next time to not do that? Oh, didn't, you right. know, that deer was standing there the whole time and I never saw it. You know, what could I have done differently next time? So, all right. Well. If there's nothing else, then I think that's a good spot to uh, shut it off. We'll let everybody get back to their week. And thanks for listening. 